Well, someone asked me, I talked this morning about our youngest son, Robert, who's not so young anymore, eating grasshoppers and all of that. And I wasn't going to say anything more about that kind of thing, but since someone asked, what I tell the missionaries is, I said, y'all look at my wife and you think she's so quiet and innocent. You really don't know her. Uh, she will try anything, okay? So uh, we lived in Zaire, and she'd go over to the market. Now, you have to picture, nobody there had a private car. We went in these big old trucks that sat high off the ground. And when I finally got my pickup truck out there, she would drive down that mountain, cross that river, and go up that other mountain. And the kids were standing on the side of the roads holding up these big bats by the wings. That's groceries, all right? <laughs> And uh, bats and monkeys and lemurs and, and uh, grasshoppers, but we ate termites. Not We ate termites too, but we ate grub worms, big as your finger. And they, they're like lobsters. You don't cook them until you get ready to eat them. So they brought us a bowl full one day, and I told Lynn, I said, we, we won't eat all those today. Give half of them to the African pastor who lived right beside of us. And so she started counting out the grub worms, and Robert heard me say that, and he cried for 20 minutes. <laughs> he didn't want us giving any of those grub worms away. But uh, you boil them and ate them with your greens and, and manioc. Uh, but we ate. I know it's hard to My son-in-law up in Herndon, Virginia, he didn't even believe me. Till we, he went on a mission trip to Uganda, and he took a picture of a book in a bookstore that says termites taste like pineapple. Well, I always said they taste like honey. Linda said that little African termites, they look like two little globs of honey walking around. And uh, so the monkeys liked them and the chickens liked them. So when the Africans saw the chickens going over there, they came running, they scared the chickens off. and that. <laughs> so this little boy in our village, <clears throat> he disappeared one day. And we lived in the jungle, so the family came down and said, Pastor, they called me Pastor Jonas. Pastor Jonas, we can't find Bakebel. We don't know where he's at. We got a group of us, went up to the village. We looked all over the place, calling his name, crying out, couldn't find him. And we worked a couple of hours, couldn't, didn't find him in the village, went down in the jungle trying to find this kid. He was about three or four years old, something like that. So we had, I mean, they were like in panic mode. So we went back down to our house, and we lived in a mud house and had a little front veranda on it and a tiny little room with a tin door. And in the morning, that's where I would go. I'd go outside to shave in cold water. And uh, I had to open the door to get light. So I had this little uh, little mirror that you can buy at Walmart, metal, metal frame hanging, hanging on the door, and I'd be shaving. All the African kids come watch me shave. But anyway, went back down to the house, and I heard a noise down there in the room, and I went over there and opened the door, and there sat Bakebwa. There was a crack in the floor, and those termites were coming up through that crack. And uh, he thought he had died and gone to heaven because nobody knew they were there but him. And I opened that door, and he would just... <laughs> anyway, enough of that, enough of that. She's eating balut with me. Does anyone not know what balut is? It's a duck egg that's the duck's been sitting on it about 18, 19 days. It's almost ready to hatch. And um, I've eaten them all over the world. Uh, they're not bad. If you like egg, you like balut, as long as you don't look at it, okay? 
you know, okay, let me get down to, <clears throat> let me get down to business tonight, and, uh, and I'll try to get you out of here for too long. I won't name the other preacher, but he's with BIMI, but I'm not going to tell his name. But we were in a meeting together over in eastern North Carolina, and one night the pastor said, now, Brother Godfrey, you and so-and-so, you both preach tomorrow night. And I thought, preacher, are you sure? So the next night, that's this beyond my missionary preached. <clears throat> and then at the end of it, the pastor said, Brother Godfrey, would you mind coming up and closing the service? <laughs> so the next night when I preached, I said, you know, brothers, again, I'm not going to call his name. I'm changing his name. From now on, we're going to call him Pharaoh. <laughs> Because he will not let God's people go. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. I want you to open your Bibles. All right, y'all to think I'm crazy. Some of you already think that. I want you to open your Bibles tonight to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 4. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to go back to the same place that I've been for a while, Thursday night and Friday night. And I want to go back to that verse, Matthew chapter 4, and verse 19. You probably by now have it memorized. And he, that is Jesus, said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Well, on Thursday night, I talked about the Christ of missions. And it's so true. Look, if we have any doubt about who he is, we just will stay home. He is the Savior of the world. He alone can save a soul. And I preached about the Christ of missions. I preached on Friday night about the command of missions, go fish. I mean, get out there and tell people about it and pass out the gospel tracts and, and put a smile on your face. You know what you believe inside, it kind of comes out. It should on the outside and they can tell it. Tonight I want to preach about the challenge of missions or the cost of missions. I never know what the singers are going to sing, but isn't it amazing how God puts all that together too? And even the song we just heard. Uh, do we really want to reach men? I mean, do we really want to do that? Well, it's not automatic. It doesn't just happen. We have to recognize who Jesus is. We have to recognize what following him means. I heard about a lady who went to the psychiatrist. She had a strip of bacon over each ear and a fried egg right on top of her head. And she said to the psychiatrist, I've come to see you about my brother. Y'all will get that after a while, I know. You Here's my point. What the Lord said to us about cross-bearing and following and obedience, it's not in fine print in this book. It's in bold print, and it's right on the face of the contract. We, have the, we sometimes put those demands. We're afraid somebody might find out if you get saved, then you're expected to live for God. We should never think that way. And it's the same for missions. Following him means changing the way we live and the way we think. Because if you don't do that, you'll never understand why a sharp young couple will leave Kansas or 
Alabama, either one of them, and go to some strange place in the world where they're not familiar with the customs and we show our pictures. You know how many times missionaries on deputation lie? Because <laughs> they've been there one week. I'm, I'm not making fun of y'all. It's true for all of us. But they've been there one week and they, they're telling people all about it. And when they get there, they're going to find out about half of that stuff's not even true. <laughs> but why would they do that? Well, because when you get saved, it changes the way you live. I don't know about you, and I got saved. It changed my life. And the Bible, again, is clear about that. It changes the way we think. Now, I have some simple, very simple thoughts tonight from the Gospel of Matthew. What does it really mean to follow him? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Well, how do we follow? Well, let me just challenge you with some verses Look, in chapter number 8 of Matthew, I chose to stay in Matthew. Now, if I kept going through Mark, Luke, and John, y'all would be here for a while. But I chose to use verses that are in the Gospel of Matthew where it tells us what does it mean to follow Christ. You all know, I'm sure, that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Now, I'm a big reader. I love to read good sermons and commentaries. But if you want to know what the Bible says, read it. Study it. Well, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 22, it says this, But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury the dead. Now, what in the world? You say, Brother Godfrey, what does that mean? Let me tell you what I think it means. I think it means don't get bogged down with the future. Let the dead bury the dead. Now, See, we don't understand that because we don't speak that way. But when we lived in a Muslim country, there was a young man I tried to witness to him many, many times. His name was Jibi and Jai. And Jibi was a strange guy. One time I was trying to illustrate to him that salvation is a gift. But a gift is not, you don't have it unless you receive it. Faith it's the hand that receives the gift. God gave us the gift, but it's not ours until we receive it. And I was trying to illustrate that to GB and Giant. I took a, a bill out of my pocket. It wasn't a dollar. They don't use dollars. I took a bill out, and I held it out to him and said, GB, I'm going to give you this money. And he sat there, and he smiled at me. I said, GB, I'm serious. They like money, by the way. I said, I'm serious. I'm going to give you this money. And he sat there and just smiled at me. I said, GP, did you not hear what I said? I said, do you have my money? And he was illustrating my point. I was offering him this money, no strings attached, totally free. But he didn't, he didn't receive it. He didn't accept it. And I said, well, GP, here's this money I'm trying to give to you. Do you have it? He said, well, I've got some just like it. And I went on and on with that guy. Would you believe he never took my money? There are a lot of people around here like that. They've heard the gospel and they go to church and they do everything else. But until we receive him, we don't have his gift. It doesn't just happen. It's an act of our faith. When we reach out, we accept that gift he offered. Well, one day, I was, another time I was talking to GB, And uh, I said, GB, you need to get saved. And here were his exact words to me. Let me go home and bury my father. 
Now, his father wasn't dead. His father wasn't sick. Do you know what he meant by that? I can't become a Christian when my daddy's a Muslim. It will embarrass my daddy and my family. I can't do it until my daddy dies. I'll put it off to the future. Look, we're not going to follow Christ if we're waiting on till something happens. Well, when I, when I get baptized, then I'll serve him. When I, go to, when I graduate from Bible college, then I'll follow him. No, you won't. But Jesus said, and this is, these are, this is a hard verse. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, that doesn't mean we hate our mom and dad and our sons and our daughters. But it means we have to love him so much that in light of how much we love him, even the love of our children. And we've seen that here because some of you, including Pastor and Angie, they've left, they let their, their son travel to the other side of the world. Now, they're getting ready to go see him. Y'all better pray that he comes back. <laughs> Jesus said, follow me, let the dead bury their dead. They're not dead yet. They may live 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. For it. The point is, following Jesus means we do it right now. Those verses, I didn't read all of them again, but they're in Matthew 4. When John and James heard Christ say, follow me, what did they do? They got up and they left their father. How many of you love the, the chorus we sing? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow. The cross before me, still I will follow. And we sing that. I wish I could sing. I'd get Linda to come up here and sing it. In Wolof, do good na topa topa chiesu, do mako watch, but I'm undone. I've just I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. So how do we follow Jesus? Well, we can't get bogged down worrying worrying about where God wants me to go. Number one, and you know how many young people put more emphasis on the where and they miss the whole thing. <laughs> God often won't let them know the where because they're not ready yet to, to get busy and do what he wants them to right now. So, number one, let the dead bury their dead. That, if you're going to follow Jesus, that's the way it will be. Number two, Matthew chapter 9, a chapter over. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, now listen, here's what he said. Follow me. And he arose and followed him. In the same passage in Luke chapter 5, you don't need to turn there, but let me just read a short verse to you. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 28, talking about the same story when Jesus called Matthew, here's what it says, and I love it. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. From coins to Christ. Luke 14, Jesus said, So likewise, whosoever he is of you that forsaketh not. You know what the next verse, the next word says? All that he hath cannot be to my disciple. That's a powerful verse. That's a convicting verse. Here's what I see 
in this following Christ. Don't base your life on money. You say, Brother God, are you against money? No, I like it. It's a tool. It's a great servant. But when we become servant to it, it's disaster. Somewhere I read, I read a little story. Said a, there was a leopard skin coat that had been made, in, a leopard skin had been made into a high-priced coat hanging in a furrier's shop window. Passer by looked at that fur coat and said, you know, uh, that old cat was a whole lot better off before he was worth so much. <laughs> well, anyway, um, God loves rich people. God can use rich people. But God doesn't want any of us to base our life on that. C.T. Studd is one of those missionaries we talk about, Adonine Judson and David Livingston and these people. C.T. Studd was born into wealth. He was a famous cricket player in England. He ended up serving the Lord on three different places in China and then in India and then went, got right and went to Africa. C.T. Studd gave his money away. He didn't want to. He didn't want to go to the mission field with the money that he inherited. He wanted to trust God, and he did. William Borden. If you haven't read the book uh, Borden of Yale, the heir to the Borden Dairy Company riches. But you know, he spent most of his young life working in a rescue mission. Surrendered to go to the mission field was in Egypt, got meningitis, and died on his way to reach Muslims in China. Coco Chan. How many of y'all, Coco's been here. Coco's been here in our church. Coco Chan, born in Hong Kong, Canadian citizen. Coco, I don't know where she got it. I've never asked her. It doesn't matter. Coco had money. I guess she still has. But Coco said, I don't want to just live on that. I want to trust God. Many years ago, I was preaching down in Miami, Florida. <laughs> strange things come into my mind. Y'all don't ever do that. Strange things come into my mind sometimes because i tell you how long ago this was. You young people won't get this at all. But in that conference, in that church, Anita Bryant sang. <laughs> and then Robert Meyer got up after her and sang and made her sound bad. Y'all don't know who Anita Bryant. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm old. But I preached a sermon down there about the call of God, and I kept picking people's name out of the air. You know, God might be calling you Bill or George or Sue or Ellen. And I just, and uh, after I preached that Sunday at noon, this family came and said, Brother Godfrey, uh, we need to talk to you. They said, How did you, how did you know our names? He said, when you preach today, every point of your sermon, you call my name. I was illustrating how the Holy Spirit, when you got, before you got saved, he would whisper your name and, woo, and draw you. And, then about the, and he said, every point of your sermon, you call my name. He said, more than that, every point of your sermon, you call my wife's name. <laughs> he said, how did you know us? I said, sir, I've never met you before. He said, we went home at lunch, and my wife put the food on the table, and we sat there, 
And I looked over at her, and there were tears coming down her cheek. And she looked at me, and there were tears on mine. And he said, we don't understand that. He was a very successful businessman in Miami, Florida. Made, made big money. He said, we don't understand it, but God called our name today. Next time I saw them was some time after, and I was back over at Tennessee Temple when it was still running. And I heard somebody say, Brother Godfrey, Brother Godfrey, and went over, and there was that man from Miami, Florida, that they were in Bible school. I'm just trying to illustrate, what does it mean to follow Christ? It means you don't base your life on things. Well, that's number two. Number three, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. And Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, we've heard this already this week in Brother Zacharias' testimony. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now let me give you the lesson that I get from that verse. Do not be self-centered. The Bible says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you and you, uh, which you have of God and you are not your own for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Betty Stam, I talked about her one other a point I made. Betty Stam, John Stam were martyred in China. Betty Stam wrote in her Bible these words, Lord, I give up my own purposes and plans, all my own desires, all my hopes and ambitions, and accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all utterly to thee, to be thine forever. And I read that, and I thought, no wonder God used those stems. If you've, again, if you haven't read the story of their life, it's just a little book, The Triumph of John and Betty Stam. Uh, it's worth buying that book and reading it for their story and also for the beautiful poetry that Betty Stam wrote. But why wouldn't God use them when, they, when she wrote as a young girl, Lord, I... All my purposes and my plans and my future and who I'm going to marry and what I'm going to do, I give it to you. It's the person, you know, the world just misses, the world misses this entirely. They think for us to be happy and to be fulfilled and all of that and they're going after happiness and they never find it. Because it's not seeking happiness that brings it, it's seeking Christ. And when you are right with Christ and realize uh, that he's everything and we're, we're not much. Lenin, you said, Brother God, how in the world would you quote Lenin? Listen to what he said. Talking about communism, he said, give me fewer disciples, but give me better disciples. Sometimes we wonder why people have marriage problems. And I, I can tell you easily, it's when we get self-centered. Because the happy, the happy home, people have been married 59 years. It's true that he knows how to do what she tells. No, I won't say that. 
that's not, that's not what I meant. Okay, no, she's saying no, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> you can't live that long together and be, total, and be self-centered. Because for that to happen, you have to love her and put her first. And she has to love you and put you first or vice versa, however you... When we're the most miserable people in the world are self-centered folk. Even Christians. A Christian can a Christian be self-centered? Egotist, arrogant, proud. Boy, we can. But here's the truth. When we get self-centered, we lose the joy. Because real joy is when we're serving other people. Christ came to do what? To serve to give his life. So let's not be self-centered. But let me give you one more thought from Matthew about following Christ. In my verse, this, these verses, it doesn't, the, the three I just used specifically say follow me. This one doesn't, but you'll see that it means following him. And these are some of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I, I mean, that's making quite a statement. In chapter 11 of Matthew, verses 28 through 30, you know the verses already. Here's what Jesus said. You see, when at this point in Matthew, he had presented himself as the Messiah, the King of the Jews, and they rejected him. And then Jesus stood up to the commoner, to the people, and he said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And you said, Brother God, for that verse doesn't say follow, follow, but I tell you what, just think about this a moment. If you're hooked into yoke with him, I kind of think you're going to follow him. Jesus said, Come to me. The world will tell you, you know, live for yourself. Have a party. Take drugs. Drink. You would think they would finally wake up and realize that all of that stuff brings them nothing but dire misery. But when we put ourselves in that yoke with Christ... I want you to consider the results of following him in that way. Listen to this verse, John chapter 12 and verse 26. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Here's what I get out of this thought. Leave your worries behind. Charlotte scolded me the other night when I said I hadn't lost anything. I said I'd gained everything. She said, you lost a lot of things. You lost all your worries. <laughs> and she's right. You see, when we are in the yoke with Christ, and we know where he's going, <laughs> and John 12, 26 says, if we're in that yoke and we're following him, where he is, there we shall be also. What in the world would I have to worry about if I know 
that I'm going to spend eternity with him. Of all the words in the Bible, I love a lot of them. I mean, you think about words like love and peace and joy. But there's a, there's a word that I really, really love. I've read it in one of my verses, and that is the word rest. Physical rest. pastor asked me if I took a nap this afternoon. I said I took two. <laughs> I started one and my phone rang. <laughs> and then later on I sat down and it, it came back. But anyway, physical rest. When you're really tired, rest is wonderful. But in the Bible when it's talking about resting in Christ... Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives, God said to them, "Don't go." he didn't say go into the ark. He said come into the ark because he was already in there. And as long as they were in the ark, they were safe. They didn't have to worry about the rain. They didn't have to worry about the lightning. They didn't have to worry about the floods and the earthquakes or any of it because they're in the ark. Folks, that's the beautiful Bible picture for us. When we get saved, we're in Christ. And there's a rest that comes with that. It's hard to describe. People go where they want to go. Where their hearts are, their heels soon follow. And I quoted Lennon a moment ago, but here's the truth. Jesus Christ demands more complete obedience than any dictator who ever lived. But there's a difference. He has every right to it. So let's follow him. We're never really going to be fishers of men until we're following. That's what he said. Uh, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Well, thank you. The missionaries have said it. I thank you as well. Good bunch to preach to. We We want to impact our world. We have something that most people around us know nothing about or very little about. And that is the peace and the joy that's in Jesus Christ, the rest unto our souls. Because when we heard Jesus say, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I said, Lord, that's me. (laughs) And I went running. And he met me. And he accepted me. And he loves me. And he wants to use me. And the same thing can be said for you. And I hope you understand When you're in the yoke with Christ, you don't have to worry because you're in the best place possible. Lord, help us to enjoy the privilege that we have in you. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts this week for the testimonies and the music and and just being able to fellowship together. And we love you and we thank you. Pray that you'd use our church to impact our community and this world in Jesus' name.